We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. What's up? This is Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here with Jason Pat. Jason, the Bulls enter the new week at 6-11 overall. That puts them a game out of the number eight seed in the Eastern Conference playoff race and only a game and a half from having the worst record in the conference. Uh, the Bulls, I think we can both agree, are absolutely terrible right now, despite Zach Levine's heroics in the most recent game against Charlotte on Saturday night. Uh, and this week, to me, really only confirmed just how deep their their problems are. I don't want to say they're terrible. I think they're bad, also weird. And this week, like you mentioned, just an absolutely wild, bizarre week capped off by, you mentioned Zach Levine's heroics. Uh, they came back from down eight points in the final like 50 seconds. Zach Levine hits... 13 three-pointers, 49 points. They beat a, a bad Hornets team. The Bulls and Hornets have uh, both kind of bad. I think they're both 6-11 and 11 now. 116-115, to 115, a historic night for Zach Levine. That, and that was after a night after Jim Boylan benched him for, I guess, egregious defensive errors against the Miami Heat. Going back this week, I, I kind of came into this week looking at the schedule. I was like, oh, the Bulls, probably they'll go 2-2. Two and two. Maybe they'll go 3-1 and one if they get lucky. Turns out they go 2-2 two and two in maybe the craziest way possible. The first game of the week was against the Bucks, uh, and they were playing close again with the Bucks. They lost last week to the Bucks, and then they come at home to play the Bucks. They they were close, or I think they had like a one point lead in the fourth quarter, uh, and then the Bucks closed the game on a seventeen to two run. Zach Levine and Larry Markin came back in and were complete disasters, and the Bucks took over and they win that game. Next game uh, was against a bad Pistons team. Blake Griffin looked like a corpse. Uh, the Bulls. It was kind of close for a while. D Rose had some moments. There's a Lou Dang was at the game and had some. Sweet nostalgia there. Uh, but the Bulls ended up pulling away in the second half. They won 109-89. Shaq Harrison started that game when it was like a plus 25 or some crazy crap like that with Otto Porter still out. Uh, Jim Boylan went to his football guy, Shaq Harrison. Uh, and then the Bulls, on on Friday, Jimmy Butler's return uh, to Chicago as a member of the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat been really good this year. The Heat got, get out to a 13-0 lead. Boylan pulls Levine. Levine was pissed about it after the game. There seemed to be some miscommunication there. Like I said, Boylan kind of called out three egregious mistakes. I rewatching the game as well. I thought he was made some mistakes. He had like an airballed three. He had a few bad plays defensively, but I don't know if it was enough to like single him out. 
He singles him out. The Bulls were down like 24 at halftime. They made a they made a garbage time run to make it a 116-108 final. We saw Denzel Valentine finally get some tick, hit three garbage time three-pointers to make it a close game. So right when it looks like this this Bulls season might be teetering like out of control already. We got Boylan and Zach Levine feuding again so much for paying that fine last year, right? Bulls come out. They, they take a big lead in Charlotte. They go up like 14 in the first half, and they completely melt down. The Hornets go up something like 12 in the fourth quarter. It looks like they're about to suffer. The Bulls are about to suffer. It's another terrible loss. And then Zach Levine, who had been hot all game, just absolutely goes nuclear in the fourth quarter, hits seven three-pointers to match Kobe White from the other day. And like I said, he in the last, whatever, minute, he hit one that was like a 35-footer off the backboard that went in. Uh, and then the, in the last, the last play... Tomas Sadoransky had a big three-pointer to make it a two-point game. The Bulls get a steal, and Levine hits another just, like, setback, fadeaway three-pointer over Marvin Williams. Shocking. The Hornets, their play-by-play announcer, had a hilarious call this game. So here we are, 6-11, and after a crazy week. I, I really don't know. Like I said, I think the Bulls are probably bad, but not that bad. They're right in the mix of the playoffs because the Eastern Conference is a joke. Like, I honestly don't know what to make this team. Like, we get the full Zach Levine experience. Ricky, you wrote about kind of just this whole thing with Levine and Boylan and just, like, the issues with the Bulls. Just talk about a bit about your, what you wrote in your column and just your general thoughts of, like, what happened this week, what happened in the, this weekend especially with all just yeah. the craziness. I mean, the problem isn't that the Bulls are really bad. The problem is that they're hopeless because, to me, this week, again, confirmed that Levine is a pretty good player. He's totally miscast as a star, though. And by making him the number one option on your team going into the year – you were doomed to fail from the very start. I don't think that Zach Levine is like a worthless NBA player. I think you could even possibly contribute to winning basketball on a good team, but he needs someone to put him in his place. And the, the Bulls don't have anyone to do that on their roster right now. Uh, and that's by design. Like Levine was the guy they were pumping up preseason as the dude who's going to make the all-star team. Uh, Levine is the guy on all the advertisements him and Markinen are really the co-headliners of this team. Markinen has obviously been an abomination this year. And Zach, let's be honest, Zach had a horrible week before the game against yeah. Charlotte. You look at what he did against Milwaukee. Guy shoots four for 16 to finish with 11 points. The next game against Detroit, he goes two for 11 to finish with five points. The next game against the Heat, he finished with 15 on 14 shots. But, you know, he's at the center of the post-game controversy when he was pulled. He's fighting with Boylan in the media. I support Zach all the way. I think Boylan's a trash coach. Boylan should be fired immediately. But at the end of the day, all the problems come back to the front office. And we got fooled, Jason. I think that, like, we need to own up and take some accountability for that because I thought this team would be better coming into the year. You know, in large part because the East is trash, and the East is still trash. Right now, as yeah. we're recording this podcast, the number eight seed in the East is three games below 500. So there's still a massive opportunity here for the Bulls. And if what the Bulls deem uh, as a success is just making the playoffs, I mean, Jesus, they should make it. Like, you look at everything else that's going on with the bottom half of the East. You got the Hawks. They have John Collins suspended for 25 games for using PEDs. You got Vucevic, who's out now at least for a month for the Magic. Kyrie and Karis LeVert have been hurt uh, for the Nets. Blake Griffin looked like a total shell of himself for the Pistons. There's a massive opportunity here for the Bulls, but, you know, the front office just didn't really construct a team that has uh, any sort of ceiling because they don't have a star. And how is this team going to get a star, Jason? Because uh, 
I'm looking, you know, in this, like, is it going to be through the draft? Is it going to be through free agency? Is it going to be through a trade? I don't see an easy option here. And until they find a star, the Bulls are literally just running in place. They have a bunch of complimentary players. They don't have any top guy. Zach, when he tries to be that top guy, almost works against himself. Now, we saw him go just absolutely ham against Charlotte. Uh, To me, I was just thinking the whole time, man, it would be really nice if Zach could play with Luka Doncic. It would be really nice if Zach could play with uh, even John Morant, just like a top-level guy who would make him think he didn't have to carry this massive burden on his shoulders. It worked out for the Bulls in Charlotte, but the majority of this season, it hasn't. Right, and even we saw in some of the Charlotte stuff, like he was doing, a, he did some really good stuff to spotting up in the corner. He had he had zero assists. He had forty nine points, zero assists, because I feel like he was just doing a lot of spotting up. They found him wide open in the corner, and he's just draining threes. Obviously, at the end there in that final minute, he's doing it all himself and just hit hitting miraculous three pointers, which is something we know he can do. We've seen him do that multiple times this season. We've seen him do it. We saw him do it last season. Like he goes through these spells where he just gets unconscious, just shooting flames, and we know he can do that and go on these kind of scoring binges. But when you talk about just like the the uh, responsibility when he has to be like the top hub of an offense, when he has to make key decisions, like I mean, because those shots yesterday he's throwing up are those go in one in a million times. All those shots. A lot of the other times we see what happened in Milwaukee when he throws up trash and it doesn't go in, and when he's struggling against uh against Miami he shoots up an air ball in the first possession so like yeah like he has these moments but it's in terms of like consistency of and just being that overall impact guy especially a two-way player like the Bulls definitely don't have that I tweet I think I tweeted that like a week or two ago when the Bulls were really struggling and after another disappointing loss like yeah the Bulls have like some nice parts and like blah 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 and like they still can probably like you said they can probably compete for the playoffs they'll be there with the east it's just like how do they take that next step because yeah you talk about I've, we, I mean, we did talk about how, like, if they take a big step and they go to the playoffs, they win whatever, mid-30s, high-30s, like, that'd be a step forward. But, like, I feel like they can still do that, not, like, look, watching the season now, and it won't be that impressive given what the East looks like unless they really turn it around, unless Lowry really gets out of his funk because he was awful against the Hornets, just complete dumpster fire. He was a bit better against the Pistons, but if Lowry keeps kind of just playing like this and if Zach has these games once in a while... I just, yeah, I don't know where we're looking at in terms of, like, Bulls' big picture, like, taking a big step forward in the next couple of years. Like, I've seen Kobe White's been a fun player, but he's obviously just a streaky microwave scorer. He did have a really nice game. I believe he had a career high. So, I mean, Zach got all the attention with his 49, but Kobe White right. also had 28 in that game, shot really well, had some huge baskets down the stretch as well. So, good for him. And, obviously, Wendell Carter Jr. has been arguably their best player, just steady, solid force. But yeah, I mean, overall, when it's when we were sold on the Levine Lowry show, and so far for them, it just hasn't been there overall. They have their moments. Zach is obviously can give you just some crazy, crazy high stuff with like what we saw yesterday. But overall, in terms of just consistency uh, and just having that really just stud player you can rely on, rely on every night, we just kind of haven't haven't seen it. It was kind of yeah, fitting that. But, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I, I'm just gonna say I don't blame Zach for that. Really, no, like, no, no. To me, absolutely not. I blame the front office for trying to build this rebuild around Zach Levine. Like, that was doomed to fail at the very start. The Bulls should have done whatever they could to get the first pick in the two years that they were flat-out tanking. And both of those drafts are going to produce a Hall of Fame generational talent, Luka Doncic in one, Zion Williamson in the next. They screwed themselves out of Luka Doncic with that seven-game winning streak they went on. They were 3-20. and Miritich comes back powers them uh, to seven straight wins. They finally move them. And then uh, I saw you and Steph No talking about this today on Twitter. Sean Kilpatrick assigned at the end of the year, giving them some uh, wins that screwed them out of, 
you know, a top three draft slot heading into the lottery. So if you have Luca, this thing looks totally different. If you have Zion, this thing looks totally different. But now it's like the Bulls made a horrible Jimmy Butler trade. I feel very comfortable saying that. I've always felt comfortable saying that. The Bulls lost the Jimmy Butler trade. Levine, while uh, I think he's a talented player, he's not good enough to be a leading man. Markkinen has been a huge disaster this season. Markkinen's averages on the month, 12 points per game. I'm 33% shooting from the field, 31% shooting from three, and he's averaging 1.3 assists per game, under one block, under one steal a game. Just not good enough from Lowry Markkinen. But to come back to Zach, it's like, all right, he should never be the A1 guy heading into the year. That's not his fault. But then I'm putting it on Boylan where the way he's used. I don't want Zach as the chief decision maker in this game, in on this team. As you said, he was making a lot of shots, just hanging out in the corner, being a guy who can attack a closeout, being a guy who, when the ball finds him off multiple swings, he can knock down a shot. Instead, the way the Bulls have run this team with Zach Levine the last couple of years is Zach gets the ball isolated at the top of the key. He's going to dribble between his legs 10 times, and maybe he's going to hit a ridiculous shot because he is a crazy tough shot maker. But as I've been saying all along, it sort of works against him. What the Bulls should do is just take the tough decisions out of Levine's hands. I think they got to start putting them in Wendell Carter's hands. Wendell Carter threw a brilliant no-look pass in this game for a Levine corner three against the Hornets, I mean. Uh, We're faked at the top of the key, fires to the corner. Zach knocks it down. I want Wendell facilitating the offense most of the time. Or how about just tell Sadoransky that he's got to play like it's the Czech national team. And he just has to be more aggressive. He only had two buckets. He had like the first bucket of the game and the second to last bucket of the game uh, against Charlotte. I'd rather have him make the decisions. I would rather have uh, Wendell make the decisions. And then why not even try to get Lowry moving downhill and letting him facilitate a little bit, uh, either as the short roll man in the pick and roll, or just as someone who can come off a pin down and, Uh, make a play once he catches the ball so I think that Zach Levine is being really misused I think he was miscast all along and I think you know in the right situation this guy could be a straight-up flamethrower whose skill set becomes even more valuable when the game slows down in the half court in the playoffs Uh, but if we're just living and dying with Zach Levine ball every single game I think that it falls on Garpax it falls on Boylan I don't blame the players maybe Boylan does like the fact that Boylan has been throwing the players under the bus the entire season is just so insulting this guy is such a kiss ass for management of course he's blaming the players because management picked the players and it's not management's fault for choosing shitty players in this rebuild it's got to be the players taking accountability of course the players do need to be better but it falls on management it falls on the coach and it's just been a fucking trash start to this season for the Bulls despite the fact that they find themselves one game out of the eighth seed in the East. Yeah, yeah, six and eleven. Given like the, I think they've, I think they've played they've what seventeen games. I think they've played something like ten or eleven games against teams. So they're what is it? They're six and four against sub to five hundred teams, and they haven't beaten a team over five hundred yet. They obviously had some pretty bad losses. They've gotten better at bum sling lately. Obviously, last night's game just really helped them. If they would have been, five, if they would have lost last night, and been five and twelve going in this week, like. I would have almost been like even with the easy schedule coming up, I would have been like this season's over. I mean, we, you could almost say that right now, but it's really not because they're going to be in it for so long. But I thought their record would be better given the easier start to the season, even though they've had a lot of road games. Like was the the, the end of the schedule is going to be really tough, and if they can't, if they keep playing like ass against good teams, like they'll be around because they'll probably win their share of games against these bad teams. But they need to they need to play better. And you the, the Levine stuff, like yeah, it, it's. <laughs> 
It's just tough. I, I will admit, I, I bought into the Zach Levine all-star hype. I mean, who knows? Maybe if he goes on a run here and he starts putting up some big games, maybe he'll get his numbers up enough to still be uh, an all-star type player. But I, I kind of bought into the thing where he could possibly be like this 1A guy. That's on me. Like Right now, it sure doesn't look like it. He'll have these games every once in a while. We saw it in Memphis earlier this year. We saw him hit some big shots against the Pistons in that first Pistons game. And then obviously last night he just goes nuclear. But yeah, it, it all just comes back to yeah, they don't pro- they probably don't have that number the number one guy. And then the Boylan stuff. It, it was kind of funny uh, after the, when the they, there was that gift out there. Uh, the team was celebrating after the win last night, and Boylan like went over and like I think it was Archie Diakono like looked at him and just like scoffed at him and then just like ran away and was like fuck you guy fuck you man like get out of here like. We're going to celebrate this win ourselves. Like he, I do wonder, like, what the locker room, like, vibe is like after after the whole thing on Friday, getting your ass beat by the Heat, boiling, yanking Zach, and Zach feeling disrespected, uh, call, basically calling out Boylan and saying, like, I, don't, I didn't really see that, what the issue was. Like, obviously, some of it is on Zach for just the defense. It's bad. Like, it could be better. But then Boylan just being a goofball and... I do wonder, like, how, how the players feel about that. And, like, if, like, do they still believe believe in in uh in Jim Boylan or whether they don't I, I have no idea like it's it's kind of crazy but yeah man I don't know it's it the team is just it's just kind of a mess it's kind of a mess right now like I said they're still 6-11 and they're right there in the playoff in the playoff chase but I, I was actually kind of thinking how um th- kind of this this compared to compared to uh last last season when with the, all the goobiness that happened when the Bulls had one of their best wins of the season last year they beat the Thunder Literally the very next night was the mutiny game against this. They lose to the Celtics by 56, and and then and then everything goes crazy. Uh, and now this is almost like like a mirror, almost not a mirror image, but just a kind of kind of the opposite thing, um, where the, uh, Boylan get Boylan gets uh, he he calls out Zach and Zach uh, goes back at him, and there's this whole issue and all this craziness. And then the next night, Zach Levine possibly saves, I don't want to say he saved Boylan's job, but maybe he saves a season with a miraculous performance, really really just steps up in a big way and hits some crazy shots. So, yeah, just kind of kind of crazy how things have been going for the Bulls. I think we need to recap exactly what happened between Levine and Boylan on Friday against the Heat. So, like we said, Heat get out on a 13-0 run. Levine gets pulled uh, in the middle of that because Boylan says after the game he made three egregious defensive mistakes. Levine then gives an interview with Vinny Goodwill, now of Yahoo Sports. Of course, he used to be on the Bulls beat for NBC Sports Chicago. Here's just a little snippet of that interview. You can read the whole thing at Yahoo Sports. Uh, Goodwill asks, does Boylan trust you? Zach says, I feel I earned that trust, but I guess he feels differently. Other players around the league in everyone's situation isn't the same. I feel other players around the league have that trust. I guess we still haven't gotten there. Goodwill asks him, do you trust Boylan still? Zach responds, I'm trying my best. I'll say that. I'm playing my minutes and trying to do the best I can do. It's tough, especially when you're in a rut. If he doesn't trust me, it's hard to trust someone who doesn't trust you. Uh, And after Boylan... Yeah, yikes. That whole thing is one big yikes. And then after the reporters told Levine that Boylan said that he had three egregious defensive mistakes in the opening minutes. Zach said, Zach Levine got 13 points on him or the starting five did. I don't remember. Now I, you know, it's easy to like spin this to burn Zach or maybe it's not after the way he responded. Now maybe you can say Boylan lit a fire under his ass. and Zach came in to save the season. All that's bullshit. Zach is just an incredible tough shot maker and he got really, really, really freaking hot. 
in the game against Charlotte. He, 13 three-pointers, that's our NBA record for a non-Splash brother. That's how hot Zach was. Uh, so we had this, like, big sort of, like, back and forth between Zach and Boylan in the media. They met before the Charlotte game, yep. too, and it produced an absolutely hilarious quote from Boylan. Uh, reporters talking to Boylan before the game about him and Zach hashing it out uh before tip off in charlotte boylan said that's the greatest love you can show someone <laughs> it's to try to help them become who they can become first of all what the hell does that mean that's like some teenage pseudo wisdom out of boylan uh just hilarious but so that that's like the context of the zach versus boylan debate uh that has you know been going on all through the weekend i don't think we've seen the last of it personally uh, and it's something that I think, you know, we're going to have to monitor throughout the rest of the season. Like there was a, uh, urge to say Zach saved Boylan's ass in that game, but dude, if they lose to Portland, this is going to be a disaster again. Now these Portland games look a lot easier because Lillard has been out as of late. They had to sign Carmelo, which is <laughs> just the legend. ultimate, ultimate desperation move. And then they got the Warriors who are trash, but you know, Eric Pascal has been playing some tough ball. They're still well coached. Uh, the Bulls have three winnable games, these next three games, against Blazers, Warriors, Blazers. If they don't go 3-0 and against that, or God forbid they go 1-2 and or 0-3, I think that the Zach versus Boylan thing could totally rear its head again. Yeah, so as, I mean, this goes back to last season. Like, obviously, I, meant, I mentioned the mutiny stuff earlier and, like, how, like, the, there was obviously all that goofiness. And then I think after that, when the Bulls were also just like that huge stretch of games where they were t- terrible and they lost like 15 out of 16, I think there was, I can't remember exactly what game it was. It might have been when they lost at home to like the Hawks by 20. Bridger Levine, like with some very blatant shots at Boylan and like the offense and all that kind of stuff. So again, this dates back to last season. Again, then they had the whole Levine paid his fine and all that crap, or offered to pay his fine, all that crap. And we hear, we heard all offseason how everything was all good with their relationship and it was all better. I feel like they, I mean, they're going to say that stuff. Like they're going to put on a good face, but obviously clearly it's all bubbling beneath the surface. We saw it on Friday and Levine came out and just, just played a hell of a game after that. Boylan also said something guest uh, as well. It was just like, I, you know, I, it's my job to push the guy. And he was almost like taking credit for Levine, just like having an incredible historic shooting performance. Like whatever, dude, fine, whatever. But yeah, you met looking ahead. Yeah. A quick look ahead here. These next coming games, like, they have to if they don't go at least two and one. Like winning in Portland will still be tough. It's a tough place to play. But yeah, this game tomorrow, or Monday against at home against the Blazers. You got to win this game. The Blazers are playing like ass. You said Mello's last. They they just lost to the Cavs. I think they've lost like four in a row. Uh, Mello has not been good at all. Su- surprise, surprise. He has not been good in his return. Like let the game against the Cavs, he shot 0 of eight on three pointers. Like mostly wide open shots. I know Dame had been out, but he did return against the Cavs. Did not play that well. Obviously, if Dame and CJ are there, they're still dangerous. But the Blazers, they're a bad defensive team. They can't rebound. Their bench sucks. They're start they're starting and playing mellow 35 damn minutes. Like, if that's happening, like you gotta win this home game. And then you mentioned the Warriors, that obviously they are well coached. Eric Pascal's been playing pretty well, but it's basically a, a G League lineup. We'll see if Draymond even plays. Again, though, it is uh I mean it is at Chase Center. I know the Warriors have been bad there. They're three and fourteen. I mean, still, you gotta win this game. You gotta at least go two and one. At least win the next two, and then have it. Give yourself a chance to go three and zero, and possibly beat Portland in Portland again. I don't think they will. I ultimately would think that they'd go two and one. They basically have to go two and one. If they go one and two, or God forbid, like you said, they go zero and three and lose all three games this week. I, the season I feel like is basically over. 
and uh, you could just basically throw it in the tank. Because if they, if they somehow went 0-3, they'd be, what, 6-14? and 14. Even with East being so trash, I mean, that's or, uh, some brutal losses. And you said you would probably see the Levine, Boyle, and stuff bubble up again. Uh, and then they still have to go, they still have to play like the Kings on the road. Uh, I think it's a, on this on this West Coast road trip. I know they play the Warriors again. I think next week or a couple weeks from now with another winnable game. But if you get if you're a quarter of the way through the season and they're six and fourteen or like seven and thirteen, given all the te- all the under five hundred teams they've played, and they're basically probably screwed. So they gotta win. They gotta win at least two of these games this week. All right, let's. I want to do a quick whip around of some of the stats right now. Entering the week, the Bulls are number twenty seven in the NBA in offensive efficiency. They're number 14 in defensive efficiency. I'm going to circle back to that. True shooting percentage, 27th in the league. Rebound rate, they're up to 26th. Three-point attempts per game, they're eighth in the league. Three-point percentage, they're now real close to 35%. uh, At 34.7% on the season, they're number 22 in percentage of three-point makes. Uh, they're still forcing a lot of turnovers. To me, the defense is a total paper tiger, and I think that that played out in the Hornets game. Zach overshadowed it. We've done this entire podcast uh, without even mentioning Boylan's ridiculous four-guard lineup in the fourth quarter. This whole podcast could have been complaining about the rotations (laughs) and complaining about the defensive scheme. Instead, Zach bails us out with a 49-point game and 13 threes, but... Jason, Boylan starts the fourth quarter with Lowry and Wendell Carter. Lowry gets pulled around the 10-minute mark, and for the rest of the fourth quarter, Boylan's going four guards and Carter. It was a totally ridiculous lineup. The Hornets were picking it apart because when the Bulls are aggressively trapping off the pick and roll, all it takes is one or two passes to either find the roll man or find the guy open for the corner three. This was happening throughout the game. On the very first play of the game, They trapped the ball handler, two quick passes for a Zeller dunk. At the end of the first half, they switched the pick and roll. You get Kobe on Marvin Williams. I swear to God, Marvin Williams was constantly getting a mismatch in this game. It's because the Bulls were going so small on the perimeter. And then especially if you look in the fourth quarter, sub six minutes left, top of the fourth, they're trapping the pick and roll, simple pass, dunk for Marvin Williams. Uh, Boylan pulls Lowry, like I said, and then after that, the four-guard lineup. Like, they do a stupid trap to give up an open three with a minute left. The Bulls really should have totally rolled over in this game. The whole season's been defined by fourth-quarter collapses, and instead, they battled back because of Zach's incredible shot-making. Sato finally took some responsibility on his shoulders and hit a great shot to even put the Bulls in position to trap off the inbounds pass, get the steal, and hit the three to win the game. Uh, I still think that like the fact that this team is 14th in defensive efficiency right now is a total paper tiger. They're not a good defensive team whatsoever. They're getting lucky that opposing teams are missing threes again. They're getting lucky that they're not getting burned on the defensive end right now. I think that that, the bottom is going to totally fall under. I think if we project this out a month, the Bulls probably have like the 22nd best defense in the league, not the 14th best defense. The one thing they do well is they force a lot of turnovers. I think they've done something like every game this season, they've forced at least 15. I think part of that is probably because of the trapping they do. The teams just aren't ready for it. Aren't ready for it. They get sloppy. I think the Hornets had something like 19 turnovers yesterday. And we saw that last one, which I mean, you might've been able to call it. I mean, first of all, that last turnover, I think it was Terry Rozier had like, I think he had somebody wide open right in front of him. Instead, he passes it to Devontae Graham, who had three guys surrounding him, probably hacking him, whatever. They usually let that kind of stuff go. 
And then instead of just like kind of sitting there like with the ball, Devontae Graham like tries to dribble out of a triple team like under the basket, naturally loses it. Levine hits a shot, but yeah, the Bulls have been good at forcing turnovers. But yeah, I mean that whole I think the Hornets are like 41 fourth quarter points. Uh, like Terry Rozier and Graham were just pick you said picking them apart. Just had they were hopeless, and yeah, the Bulls basically needed everything to go right with Zach Levine putting up prayer three pointers. They needed Terry Rozier to miss a couple free throws. They needed to they needed to get that just mad scramble turnover at the end. So basically, just I think it was ninety nine point eight percent chance in that like final minute uh, the, that the Bulls were going to lose this game, and I mean, and that would have changed the entire tenor of this pot if the Bulls would have just. Once they went down eight, if say Levine just misses that like thirty-five footer that he banked in, and the Bulls lose by six or seven points, like we are talking about this season being a full-blown disaster at five and twelve. It's another loss to the Hornets, and now like Levine's, just, I, I that's what I, I was like. I was I was kind of conflicted after they won this game because it was like it was a game that they should not have won. It was a game where their defensive problems were exposed again. It was a game where just the, like just bad decisions, bad coaching. And Levine just single-handedly, with, with the help of Sato and one big turnover with Arch and Kobe helping on that turnover, to help to help kind of mask it. So I was almost conflicted that they won that game. Like Obviously, I prefer the Bulls to win games, but it did not feel like a game that they earned or deserved. Obviously, it kind of like canceled out the goofy loss they had to open the season in Charlotte. But yeah, that, Zach's hot, ridiculous shot making that game masked a lot of problems because, again... They blew a 14-point lead that they had. Their defense was an absolute disaster, and they needed a historic shooting performance to beat the like they. I think the Hornets were six and ten coming in, and just they had a team with a terrible point differential. So yeah, the, that win covered up a lot of mistakes. Dude, I am a lifelong diehard Bears and Bulls fan. They're both in the same spot right now, where I'm almost rooting for them to lose because they don't deserve to win. Uh, it was the same thing with the Bears versus the Giants today. Trubisky, yeah, some horrible brutal. interceptions late. I'm like, they should lose this game because they suck. And it won't benefit them at all. They don't even have their first-round draft pick because they traded it for Khalil Mack. But when you're playing so poorly, I'm almost, like, begrudging it as a fan. Uh, so they're really in the same situation right now. I put up a poll on Twitter today. You have to keep one. Who you keep in Jim Boylan or Mitch Trubisky? Uh, right now, 76% of the vote said Trubisky. That's got to be because more Bears, more Bulls fans are following me, right? Because uh, to me, I would get rid of Trubisky and keep Boylan, I think. I don't know. Like, if you're weighting your fandom on both teams equally... Uh, I feel like the Bulls have deeper problems than Boylan. They have, you know, management yeah. is mostly to blame. Whereas Trubisky, it's like, let me see the Bears with an actual decent QB. But if you if you can only keep one, Jason, who are you keeping, Boylan or Mitch? I guess I think I would say Boylan. The QB position in the NFL is, I know you can win a Super Bowl with, like, a mediocre QB. We've seen it. I mean, the Bull, the Bears went to a Super Bowl with fucking Rex Grossman as much as I, much as I love sexy Rexy hell yeah they, they almost won one with and, and, they, and they won 12 games last year with Mitch and Mitch and obviously lost because their kicker couldn't make a damn field goal they could have been playing in uh in the next round if they had a kicker who could make anything but I I, I, I feel like in NBA the players I guess in general it's the players ultimately matter more like if the Bulls like I guess if the Bulls had like if you put Jim Boylan he was coaching like a ridiculously loaded roster like do you think Jim Boylan would cost them like a championship if like he was coaching the Lakers right now, or just like if he was if Boylan was coaching like the Durant, Steph Warriors, like how much worse <laughs> would they actually be? So I feel like just because I feel like the players ultimately are where it is, like I probably would still say Boylan in this situation. But it is kind of funny that you like that, that is a discussion. Like, and I wanted to believe in I wanted to believe in both guys. This, the little optimism optimist in me 
wanted me to believe in Mitch this season. Wanted me to believe in Boylan. We were talking up Boylan before the season started. We we like bought full like not I wouldn't say full into the Kool Aid. You did pick them to be a playoff team. They still could be. I said that they'd be a lot better. And so far, just like Boylan's let us down. Trubisky has let us down. Just been the Chicago sports is a whole bunch of letdowns these days. All right. Well, I don't have much more to talk about. Do you have anything else you want to close with? I, I do. Uh, on the topic of Zach Levine, one, one quick thing. Uh, one Irvin Magic Johnson. Going on a little tweet spree here tonight, uh, this, this lovely Sunday evening. He was, did this whole thing with his MVP picks, and then he went through and he had a tweet about the Most Improved Player Award. Uh, quote, quoting Magic Johnson here, most improved, number one, Zach Levine, and number two, Brandon Ingram. Mind you, before like before last night, Levine was averaging like 19 a game on like 40% shooting overall, and obviously like his assists are down, I think his rebounds are down, so his efficiency was way down. Even with this huge performance, he, his three-point shooting now is up around 40%, but like his overall efficiency, still not that great. Uh, his points are still down, like, like he had zero assists, so it was ass- like his numbers are basically almost down across the board. And I'm pretty sure, so Magic Johnson probably saw these this 49-point highlight and said, oh, yeah, Zach Levine, definitely the most improved player in the NBA this season. Well, meanwhile, Brandon Ingram has legitimately taken, like, a huge leap for the Pelicans. Clearly has been much better, not just much more improved, but also just a much better player than Zach this season. So I just wanted to point that out. Just a, it's a hilarious tweet from Magic Johnson. And it is funny that he basically quit uh, being the president of the Lakers because uh, he just wanted to tweet some more and kind of just do his own thing. So just... Just classic stuff from from Magic there. Magic also released a top 16 <laughs> like MVP 13 list, <laughs> which is hilarious. A top 16 list that only had 13 guys, but then he followed it up with a couple more, I think, the tweet <laughs> after that. Uh, but he's just trying to be bros with everyone in the league. I think that's awesome for Magic. Magic's just the, the greatest ambassador the game's ever had, probably. Uh, and it's because he does things like release top 16 lists so he can be friends with everyone. <laughs> I know. It is super funny. Uh, yeah, besides that, I think we basically covered most of it. I guess we should mention uh, Otto Porter Jr. will be out another probably couple weeks with this foot sprain. He had an MRI, and they found, I guess the initial MRI didn't really show the bone bruise that he has, whatever, so he's going to be out a few more weeks. That's why Shaq Harrison's starting games are now. Chandler Hutchinson also out with, with shin splints. I don't know if he'll be out long. I think he had an MRI as well, but it... Uh, didn't show anything bad, so we'll see if he comes back this week. Uh, obviously, just leaves the Bulls with so little depth. That's why we're playing. That's why Jim Boylan's going with four guard lineups for like ten minutes at a time against the Bucks and against the Hornets because they have no damn wing depth. I, I, I guess when Otto comes back, if he can stay healthy, like that's one positive like outlook for the Bulls. Like he does make them a lot better because instead of having to play fucking Shaq Harrison and Arch and even Kobe White and Chris Dunn, just like, all these minutes they can play just. So, slightly smaller roles where they're better in. So hopefully Otto Porter, get well soon, Otto Porter Jr. Again, this week with the Bulls, we got the Blazers on Monday. The uh, We got the Warriors uh, on Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And then Friday, Black Friday, we got the Blazers again in Portland. Again, this is a week where the Bulls need to win at least two of these games. If they don't, that's a huge problem heading into the new month and heading into December. So hopefully uh, they can figure things out here. Hopefully they can build on this miraculous win, use that as a springboard for something. What? I don't really know because, again, this win, while this win was fun, while it gave us some exciting moments, maybe the comeback of the season in the NBA maybe so far, and just some great highlights, it still, as we said, masked a lot of problems in the game overall and on this team overall. Hopefully with this somewhat easier schedule, the Bulls can get a few wins because they can, they need to rack up these wins against bad teams once the co- competition gets a little better. So, again, we will see. Uh, Ricky, you definitely it. You, you, any final thoughts? 
Uh, both suck. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. As always, guys, thank you for listening to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. Follow Blue Wire, uh, Blue Wire at Blue Wire Pods. Go check out all the other great pods across the network. We've got a ton of great NBA pods, NFL pods, a bunch of other pods as well. Please do. For us, as always, rate and review us uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, all that fun stuff. So, for this week, it's been Jason and Ricky, Cash Considerations, Chicago Bulls podcast. Talk to you guys next week, and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.